Welcome back, everyone, to the Love Means Nothing podcast, your new home for tennis news and opinions, hosted by myself, Vid Yadav, and my co-host and brother, Drew Yadav. Uh, so episode 12, uh, we did our Wimbledon recap. Uh, today, we're going to, we know there's a lot of tournaments going on, uh, Bastad, Lausanne, and some... A lot of points. A lot of points on offer. I'll say on? that. Unlike Wimbledon, unlike Wimbledon, a lot of ranking points are on offer this week. Right, but we're going to stay away, kind of stay away from the matches that are going on this week, even though it's impressive what Dominic team is doing. And we will gonna, talk about it a little bit. We'll we'll talk about it a little bit. Uh, let you know what's going on. But the main point of discussion is going to be the top ten rankings. So, what they what what we think they should be what they were after Wimbledon and what they really should have been after, after Wimbledon. So we'll talk mostly about that today, right? Yeah. Here. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to recap Wimbledon a little bit. Did you know, you know how like the ATP, we do the, you know, it's ATP 250, 500,000, but yeah. the WTA sneaky is actually that both events this week are WTA two eighties. You get 280 points if you win the event. So um, I think we're calling it wrong. If we're calling it a WTA two fifty, these ones. Wait on the on the on the calendar. Does it say two eighty? I, I don't know, but okay. I could be. This could be fake news because I was at, on some website. Um, Sounds like I, fake news. There's a lot of could, fake news out there in the tennis world. So, why, so, many, so many random people that follow tennis. Wait, maybe it could be. Okay, wait, wait, wait. wait. Hold on, hold like, on. Like like us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I'm just looking right now. I think the winner of the Luzanne tournament actually does get 280 points i mean i could be totally totally wrong but yeah i don't know i don't know but it is as usual after a major just scrambling you think you're gonna have some you know downtime but it's anything but with all the action all the stories all the social media activity everything going on yeah i mean i forgot that wimbledon just ended i don't even know where we are in the season i don't even remember who won wimbledon no i do just kidding (laughs) I mean, just like that. That's why. That's why you got to go back and continue to win slams, like the big three. Can't be a one and done. Yeah, no, no you can't just win one slam and then talk about it for the rest of your career. CC Andy Roddick, CC Emiratikanu. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! To be fair to Andy Roddick, though, he didn't. He never really talked about it. He he always talked about no. A- yeah, Andy Roddick. Andy Roddick was not like that. Also, no, Andy no, Roddick no. was competing against Federer. I'll never forget that final. Was it the final against Federer? Yeah, sixteen fourteen. Sixteen yeah. fourteen was in the fifth. Mm-hmm. Um, we were watching the final in Toronto in a hotel. I'll never forget it. I don't know how old I was, but we were really young. We were. Not, I would think under ten. Yeah, not not too old. I mean, there's not many matches that I remember from that age, but that one's that is one I certainly certainly do. I was devastated for Roddick because it was like I think his third time in the final. Every time it was it against. I mean, Federer. so he always he was. Always, I mean, that's why. And that was peak. That was peak Federer. Yeah, you can't also you can't rag on Roddick for not winning another one because he's playing guys like Federer in their prime on grass in Wimbledon finals. Yeah, you know what? Shout out Andy Roddick. Shout out. Shout out Andy Roddick. Love that look with the hat. It's great on Tennis Channel. I've never seen him without a hat. Wonder why? Yeah, I don't know. Is is what is Andy Roddick doing? He's a he's a part time contributor on Tennis Channel. I've seen him on the like he's doing whatever the on fuck video he wants. channel, but he's doing whatever he, he wants. I don't know. Does he have that kind of money? Or? 
I guess course. he does. Yeah, of yeah, course. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, Andy, Andy has a hat on tennis channel, but Andy keep doing that because we're, we're, um, we're going on, we're on listen only. So, I mean, we do what ugly people do. Um, radio, Spotify, podcasting. Yeah. Pod- <laughs> <laughs> podcasting oh is God. for the ugly people, but no, yes, let's, yes, let's, yes. let's get into, let's get into it. Let's get into the Yeah. The- well, we're, we're, well, first we're talking about, I think we do want to recap Wimbledon a little more. Um, I just had on here in the agenda, any memorable moments that stick out to you other than, you know, maybe just the winners or something like specific moments I actually got no idea from no. Pam Shriver, shout out to Pam Shriver. She Sh- had this discussion yeah. on the, on the you know, Twitter spaces chat that she had and shout out to Pam Shriver for doing those because tennis journalists making a chat for normal fans and talking to them is great. Yeah. Not something you see often. And yeah, we'd love to see that. Uh, so shout out Pam. Memorable moments from Wimbledon, Djokovic running backhand cross court against center airplane. Memorable okay. There's, the my memor- there's my memorable, memorable moment. It's great that he did the airplane celebration at the end of when he won too. When, do you see that? Yeah. Yeah. That was so funny. The airplane he, celebration. He just came out of nowhere. That celebration. You, well, uh, it's great. Out, it was great. And he was, you could tell he was obsessed with it because after his match against center on his Instagram, he literally reposted like 10, accounts that posted him him doing the, the like the flying plane celebration so he was a fan of it we were a fan of it and uh it was good yeah yeah um for me memorable moments i would just say that elena rabakina breaking down in tears in the press conference after everyone's saying that she has no emotion that you know she doesn't care that she won, whatever, et cetera, et cetera. She's cold, breaking down in emotion, talking about her parents, talking about her getting there. That was mine. Overall, I think in general, it was a good Wimbledon. I think it was weird to not have the Russian players. Um, And yeah, that really kind of affected. I think overall it was not the best Wimbledon, to be honest. Um. I thought it was. I thought it was pretty. The good. The finals were great and the storylines were great, but I, I thought think it was just, pretty good. Yeah, I'll say. You, uh, you have my, another one. My favorite thing about Wimbledon. I wouldn't actually. No, I can't say it. We already talked about this on the last pod. But my favorite. My favorite thing about Wimbledon was that a Russian won the tournament. Yes. Amazing. Exactly. Love that. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I think my my most memorable moment was Davidovich Fakina being defaulted on match point. In the second round. <laughs> I w- I wish I saw that. I wasn't watching that match. That <laughs> it was happened. Just crazy. Because he, th- he didn't realize, th- this is honestly, okay, players need to know the rules. This was dumb. He apparently has got his first warning for like, I guess, ball abuse, hitting the ball, whatever. You know what ball abuse is if you're listening yeah. to the pod. And then the second one, he smashed his racket. And his dumb ass thought that like they were, like you couldn't, like the warning for ball abuse means you can't do ball abuse again or something like that. He thought it was like linear towards the actual inf- infraction. So he was like, I can smash my racket. That was, that was his claim. He's probably I, lying. But. I don't know if that's the dumbest thing ever. <laughs> it's not the smartest thing ever, but I don't know if it's the dumbest thing ever. I don't know. Maybe the language barrier had something to do with that. Maybe he didn't, he wouldn't even know what he Give was Give Davidovich a break. His English is awful. So. Yeah, one of the worst English on tour for for a foreign player. I love. You know? I, one of the, I love watching him give interviews because his English is so bad. So, it would it would be him him doing an interview in English would be like me doing an interview in Spanish. Elena Rybakina looks like a freaking English PhD student compared to Davidovich Fakina. <laughs> oh my god. 
yeah that's that's so true oh my gosh but but yeah no i think it was, i thought it was I, I disagree with you that it wasn't a great one but i thought it was i thought it lived up to the hype um djokovic i was nervous throughout that entire final so i thought it was uh something pretty good but all right, should we talk about the yeah. points? Let's talk about the points and who it's kind of affected the most. We'll yes. Start, start off with Jason Kobler. Uh, so, Drew, where should he be in the rankings versus yeah. where he's right now? Um, so, Kobler, he would have gone to uh, 74, but he's that's 25 places, so he's still just just around 100 right now. Um, Van Richeven, he would be 76, same thing. And that those are so important between – I think between 100 – and between 100 and like 60s, 70s, because if you're in the hundreds, you're still pretty much playing qualifying for every ATP event, right? You're not getting direct entries. Right. And if you're, you know, 67, you can get into some 250s. You're, get, you're getting into qualifying for the thousands. So I don't know. Do you think tournaments are going to like maybe not going to give exceptions, but try to give wild cards to these guys who got fucked by this? I would hope so. I mean, even even maybe the U.S. Open, just give the guy, don't make him play qualifying to get in. I don't know how they're allocating their wild cards, or at least give him a, get in, get him into the main of some of these U.S. Open series tournaments. Because, like we know, even though even if you have a great tournament, you could turn around and lose in the first round of qualifying. You know, he's he's proven that um, not to be the case. He's he's been doing well in Newport this week beating Felix, which is a really great top 10 win for him. But a lot of guys like the challenger tour is tough. Those, their level is as high as the guys on the ATP tour. So, you know, don't put it past them to maybe lose early in the qualifying. So give, I would say, give them a wild card into some of the main draws yeah. for, for these U S open events. And so curious, um, he is going to be ranked 40 and he would have been ranked 16. He, he went down in the rankings, right? He's currently ranked yeah. 45. Oh, 40, 45, 45. And he would have been 16 if they had the points. So, so he went down it's ridiculous. Five, down five, <laughs> down five instead of up 24. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's check ridiculous. My, check my math on that, but that's crazy. He should, like, this is going to affect the U.S. Open because he should be seated. So it's not fair to the person who gets to play him. It's not fair to him. Same with Nakashima. He's like, in, I think he's like around 60 something. Not in, he would have been 40. So Nakashima was also affected. Um, but yeah, basically seeing how these, these rankings are, in terms of how, like, just what they're supposed to mean, they don't mean that anymore. Funny. It yeah. It does, no, it does, it does, the rankings obviously don't make sense. It's just funny. You, we have also down here, we have Elena uh, Rabakina. If she, the rankings were correct, she would be six, right? number six in the world. And it's, fun, it's, it's funny because she had an interview, I don't know, if it was after the match or at some point after she won and they're like, Oh, what's your next goal? I think you might've sent me this, but she's like, she's like, Oh, my next goal is to be top 10, top five, number one and win more slams. Well, she, she had just gotten points. She would be top 10 and pretty close to cracking into the top five. But that being said, shout out Emma Raducanu for getting into the top 10. Oh, Emma, Emma made without, without, without having a top 10 win. In shout her out. Career. So sh- shout wait, out. she definitely has a, t- wait, she didn't be anyone in the top 10 on in the U S open. No. So Benchich, I guess, wasn't in the top 10. Benchich is not. Benchich is in, like, the 20s, right? Okay, I think Benchich is actually really good, though. I think Benchich is, like, I think her, her, level, top 10 player. her level is not where her, her um, ranking is right now. Yeah, yeah. For the woman, Niemeyer, Niemeyer would have been 60 after Wimbledon. Instead, she's in the 110s. <laughs> I mean, it really fucked over those people who made those dream runs, you know? Um, 
but yeah, like I did like to see, I did like from Rabaki, you know, that she's just saying like, my goal is to basically be the next superstar of women's tennis. And she doesn't have to say it in the way that some of these players say it, or she just says it very quiet, very understated, like she usually is. And, but you know, she means it. And she very well could get there. And when, you know, who, yeah, this could carry into the U S open her confidence and take, take her. I mean, I'm not going to say she's going to win it, but I'm going to say she's going to go deep. Tatiana Maria, who made the semifinals, she would have been 34 in the world, but instead she's in her, in the hundreds still. I mean, that's just ridiculous. She should get a wild card into every event for the next like six months, right? Yeah. And who it's knows? Instead of ruin, how much prize money is she losing by not being able to play those tournaments now? A lot. Uh, can you, is there, I mean, can you like sue the ATP and WTA for that? Because you're losing so much so, money. That's a great if you're, question. If you're, if you're, there has to be something. I don't know where the ATP is established in what country, but I feel like if it was in America, then you would be able to get some money from them because that's like crazy. It makes no sense, you know? Like, because even if, even if someone like Tatiana Maria would lose the first round for, but she'd be able to get in these tournaments for the next 12 months and accumulate hundreds of thousands of dollars. Instead, she's going to be playing like WTA 125s and like WTA 80, whatever, challenger events. Kind of. Yeah, they should, they should be able to sue Wimbledon. I mean, or not Wimbledon, sue the ATP, WTA. We, yeah, we should, we, we should talk to Tatiana Maria. See what she Actually, we should talk to some legal experts. And if, if, if you're listening to the pod, you know any legal experts? Um, if you're a lawyer listening to our pod. <laughs> if, you, if you're a lawyer listening to the pod, and you could connect us with someone. Actually, that could be a great just business Invest- to start. We just start it. Like everyone who got screwed by the Wimbledon things, we just try to contact them all. And we, get, we find one lawyer or two lawyers, and we're just the middleman. We take like 5%. These are, these are the great business ideas that Drew has. And this is why the pod may shut down soon, because <laughs> Drew is going to take on one of these incredible ventures which which will be sad because we'll have to end end the pod but yeah i don't know but yeah definitely think they should be compensated in some way it's a little bit a little bit weird but uh yeah also the good thing okay. about the good thing about wimbledon was that the viewership was up from last year uh up 2.2 million increase in the men viewing which is up 22 percent from last year and 1.2 million for the women, uh, 8% increase from yeah, last Yeah, this season. was just so, for the final. So. This is, yeah, this is for the final. So why, why do you think that was? I, I think Kyrgios, Kyrgios. And then Ons, honestly, Ons, like her appeal. I think Ons is such a unique, she's not like the other, some of the other women's players. And Pam Shriver was actually saying this on her um, little Twitter spaces, is that the positivity, the positivity from Ons, I feel like usually the WTA Tour is kind of cold. Like, they're more cold to each other. They're less... Oh, 100%. 100%. Like, and she's I 100% kind of... agree. What Pam Shriver said and what I agree with is she kind of... Ons is kind of slowly changing that a little bit. Like, Ons' whole aura and her personality and everything. Even, even Elena Rybakina, what Elena Rybakina said about Ons was, like, she didn't know her at all. Like, the first time that she met her, she was in some country. She had no idea about anything, didn't know how to speak the language. And, like, Ons, like, took her under a wing, like, drove her to the site, kind of, like, talked to her, stuff like that. So... Um, I think Ons and I think Elena Rybakina, those two just being in the final is why the women's were, you know, more viewership for the women's. For the men's, I think it's just Djokovic and Kyrgios, you know, that's kind yeah. of self, self-explanatory, right? Yeah, exactly. I, I don't, the women's, I, I do think it's changing. I, I don't think it's just Ons. I think a lot of, I think there's a lot of people that are actually have friends on the tour now 
Yeah. Just, you can just tell, by the way, when they're asked about other players, how they respond. Uh, it's a more, more of they'll give personal stories of times with the other player as opposed to, you know, back in the day when Serena was kind of in her prime, you never thought of friendships on the tour or, or it was less visible because there's no social media. Maybe, maybe that's why, but. Yeah, you see like Annette and uh, who's she friends with? Annette, Annette and Shelby Rogers hanging out on the town in Wimbledon after losing, both losing early. I love that. Got I mean, you got to take advantage of being a pro yeah. tennis player. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out to Annette, uh, new rally car driver in Estonia. Vroom, vroom. Yeah, yep. <laughs> so I don't know if you guys, the, anyone listening to the pod sauce, but Annette Kontavai actually participated in a rally car race in Estonia, a professional rally car race. Um, yeah, looked like it suited her. That's the the racing suit looked good on her. So that's crazy stuff. I mean, that's scary. I can't believe she got in that car. She seems like someone who's like a thrill seeker, you know. I can't say I agree with that. I don't know where you got that from. Really? What about her says thrill seeker? I just I think everything about her. Have you seen her on the court? She's tenacious. She rips the ball off the line. She. Yeah, I think I think she she would love she loves to like I would see her wanting to like she's she's an adrenaline junkie. Okay, okay, I don't um, know about a general junkie. I don't know if that's that she would want to do this all the time, but I can definitely see her. Let's move on to the top ten. So this 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 week we're gonna look at the ATP top ten, and as we already discussed, it's out of whack. Totally does not reflect, you know, who the best players are right now. Um, and there's no rules to this at all. You can bring in whoever. You want if you want to bring in Roger Federer to your top ten vid, you know, feel free to do it. If you want to bring in Marcos Bagdadis, we saw him at the uh, Wimbledon Champions Tournament. Bring him in. But me and Vid are basically going to say if you had the top ten people in the world right now for men's tennis, who would you put there, regardless of rankings? And just to make this a little easier for the listeners, we are going to put the current top ten rankings uh, in the description, so you'll be able to see, you know, what the current what the current rankings are. Um, so the, the current rankings are Sinners, Sinners 10, Felix is 9, Rublev 8, Djokovic 7, Alcaraz 6, Kasper Ruud 5, Stefanos 4, Nadal 3, Zverev 2, Daniil Medvedev 1. And before we start this, I'm just going to point out the, the first most absurdity of the rankings is that the top two players in the rankings, Medvedev and Zverev, they have a combined zero tournament victories in 2022. I mean, that's crazy. That's insane. They have a combined zero tournament victories in 2022. Meanwhile, there's Djokovic, Nadal, Tsitsipas, Alcaraz, who are all ranked below them. So, uh, yeah. But I don't know. What do you think? What do you think about that, that 10, through, 10 through 5 range? 10 through 5? So you want me to give who, who I think is... Yeah, or just like some thoughts. You don't have to give the exact. Like who would you yeah, play? well, I'll just talk a little bit more generally. I think that to, obviously I don't think Djokovic should be down there and who I think he should be replaced with. Kasper Ruge is not a top five player. No, I think who I'm saying, who, who do you think should be 10 through five? Like who obviously Djokovic isn't even the conversation. Here's what I would say. Basically, I think Berrettini has to be there. I don't think Berrettini is top five, but I think he's somewhere in the top 10. Uh, and then Kyrgios, I think is the top five. So I think he jumps up into the top five. Who, here's who I'm taking out of the top 10 right now um i'm taking out rublev felix i'm taking out rublev felix casper 
and maybe center. I, I don't think they should be there. Um, but I think center. I think center could be a top ten player. I think he. Be, I think he could be ten. I yeah. think he might be. I think he's tenth in the world his level. So I think I basically agree with a lot of it, but instead of Rublev, Felix, and Casper, I'm gonna move in Hubert, Berrettini, and Kyrgios. That makes sense. And the order, I guess, we just. Yeah. About it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's tough. To, it's tough. To, tough. To, the order thing is just tough. So I'm not going to do that. But I will say, so I I think I agree with you for the most part. But let me just let me double check that. Who's going out of the top ten? Casper Rude. I know you Ka- said that. Casper Ka- Rude, Rublev, and Felix. Rublev and Felix. I think Rublev is a top ten player. Okay, so I, I'm putting. I was putting in. I'm putting in. Um, Bertini. Actually, you're right. Hercos shouldn't be in there. Wait, where is Berrettini? Yeah, Berrettini's 15th. So I think Berrettini should be top 10. Yes, I think Berrettini should be top 5. Maybe, yeah. Berrettini should be, t- should be top 10 and Kyrgios should be top 10. So we need two people who we're going to take out for sure. So Kasparud. Kasparud. And I think I, I, I like... Felix. Yeah, to Felix. Felix is, I mean... He's kind he of loses all the time, dude. He loses easy matches a lot. He loses first round a lot. Like, uh, and, and it's, it's, you know what? Honestly, he's, he performs well in the slam. So it's when the, the you know, the frequent, the tennis viewer who's only watching the slams will think Felix is amazing. But, which is like, I mean, it is most important to do well in the slams. But you watch him week in, week out. He, he's losing early in these tournaments. Yeah, and he misses he's, a lot. He's yeah, he misses a lot, and he's his game is just just let's like talk about his game a little bit. It's so rigid, right? Um, it's so so tight. I feel like he's not really, creative not, at all, dude. Not creative. He's um, his serve is very very good, but also very tight. His strokes are um, kind of doing the same thing over and over. So yeah, I, just, I feel like his serve is huge, but he doesn't like paint the lines, you know. Um, that's a great point. Sometimes he does. Like I think U.S. Open last year is a great example. Like against TFO last year, U.S. Open, I believe it was round of sixteen or maybe quarters. He was painting the lines, but usually, like I feel like if you see Felix in a draw and you're not seated, you're kind of like everyone who plays him in the first round thinks they can upset him. Exactly. That's the vibe I get from anyone who plays Felix. Yeah. Uh huh. He can't. I wonder. I wonder why that is. I mean, why does he perform better? At, at majors, though, because he is pretty good in the majors. I don't know. I mean, that's a good question. I think maybe because he's... It's, okay, uh, we're also forgetting that he's the only person that took Nadal to five sets at the French Open this year. That's pretty impressive, dude. He almost beat Rafa. And who knows, if, if he had actually had coaching for that match from his Tony Nadal, who had said he wasn't going to coach him, maybe he would have won that. So you're saying, but okay, you know what I just think is crazy is like he wins that match, he wins that one set at the end. This entire conversation we're having is just not even. It's not going to be happening. We're going to say Felix is a top five. Player. Oh, for sure, yeah. Top. And he's also he also won an ATP 500 this year, which is I mean that's pretty impressive, right? Which one, which one did he win? I forget. It was one of the indoor ones in between, like the in the, the like the the stretch in between Miami and like the clay season or something. Or maybe before it was no before those it was like after the Australian Open before the American 
outdoor hard court sweat. Oh, really? I didn't even. That's yeah. Funny. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, that's good for good for him. And then, yeah. So we we don't think he's in there. He also. So you <laughs> think so many yeah. so many things come to mind when he yeah. lost to Brooksby, yeah. DC last year. Uh, yeah, I I, just, I can just remember him losing a lot of matches to guys like outside the top fifty. So uh, you, but I but I also think I think I would put Felix ahead of Rublev. So I would actually take Rublev. I'm gonna take Rublev out. You're, I'm not gonna take Rublev out. Rublev, def- he's so consistent in every tournament he plays. Why you're you're literally the only here's the thing you're the only reason you're taking him out of the top ten is because he hits he's he's slapping the ball and his game style looks. Like it's not going to be very consistent, and it's not the most consistent, but it's not that bad. This is, but this is this is we're talking about the top who we think the top ten players are, and for me, beating top guys has to be a part of that. Like to me, I put beating top guys in my mind over consistency. Like consistency is great. Then you probably put Casper Ruud if you think consistency because he's very consistent. He made the finals of. Miami, the finals of the French Open, but he can never beat a good player. Look, when we're talking about this, it's on a case-by-case basis, right? You can't have one theory that'll talk, that'll speak to every player, right? It's like Casper Ruud, yeah, he's consistent, but his game style is not great, which is something we really shouldn't consider either. Because I, I just said that about Rublev, so I, I take that back. But his draws, his draws open up. He does the clay court, he does the clay court 250s. He does, he does clay court 250s. His draw opened up at the French Open. Um, We're talking about who is the best tennis player. Exactly. So if he's getting good draws and stuff, then we can take that into account. and be like, he's getting easy draws. He's not beating anyone. You know? Like his ranking points doesn't mean you're the how good is yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's why I don't think he should be in there. No, I agree. I agree. Yeah. And I, that's exactly what I'm saying. His ranking points outweigh how good he is. Rublev. No, I'm talking about Casper and Rublev as well. We agree about we agree on Casper, right? Yeah, Rublev as well. Like, has has Rublev even won a title this year? No, I don't think he has. Actually, you know, he has, he has. But yeah, dude, like Rublev beats who he beats. He's never a threat against Stefanos. He's never a threat against Zverev. He's never like I never a threat against any of the like he, Novak he, and he beats. He forget beats, about it. He beat Zverev. Oh, sorry, not Zverev. He beat uh, Medvedev in Cincinnati last year. That was so okay. You know what happened that match? Medvedev was cruising. He was up a set. I think up a break in the second. Runs and then into he, a camera. He slammed a camera in the back of the court last year at Cincinnati, and it fuck. He ruined his hurt his arm. That okay. Look, good win, but that was not a legitimate defeat of Medvedev. Then Medvedev was paranoid the rest of the match about where he was standing, and he was trying to stand close to the baseline. I don't count that. I, I'm just. I just want to know who. So you're gonna put okay, Rublev outside Can of you the top ten. You saw Kyrgios absolutely fucking manhandle that guy in Miami. Wait, who's the other guy you said you'd bring into the top ten? You said Kyrgios. Um, you said oh, you said Hubert. No, I, no, I I said Kyrgios and Berrettini. And okay. Yeah. And then, but you said a third person. Yeah, I Hubert. Then I took him out. Okay. So okay. Yeah. I would also consider Fritz even ahead of ahead of Rublev, to be honest. I think Fritz is better than Rublev. If you give me two guys for the rest of the year, I take Fritz over Rublev. 100%. Who's going to be the who's going to get the most ranking points? All things being I would too. I, yeah. I would too, but that's 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 forecasting into the future. That, we need that's, to look. That's currently. You think so you're it's currently. If they yes, I think you're talking about currently. If you we're saying if they played a tournament T- tomorrow and we were seeding them and they were all playing who do we think is the best i'm putting fritz ahead of rublev yes 
Yes, this is, I, don't, I think you might be a little unclear on what we're saying. Because we, we, if you're going by the rankings, then you can just go by the rankings. We're saying, who do we think is the best tennis player? About top 10 tennis players in the world. Here's the thing. I, I do think Fritz is very good. I think, I think you're thinking with the Fritz-Rublev thing, you're thinking a head-to-head matchup. No, I'm thinking consistent. I think I'd, I'd rather have – I think Fritz has a better chance to beat a top guy. Fritz already has an ATP 1000 title this year. Uh, Fritz just had a, another title on grass. Um, I don't think it's head-to-head at all. I think if you're taking the top 10 and you're just putting them all against the top 10, Fritz is a better chance to beat most of them than Rublev does. So, yeah. I don't know if I put Fritz ahead of Sinner, though. So, I think I put Sinner ahead of Fritz. That's why I'm not, I wouldn't move him Yeah, up. I mean, you can't, put, you can't put Fritz ahead of Sinner because we were having this debate on the last pod basically about the two, and I, I put Fritz ahead of Sinner, and you were, <laughs> you were like, going crazy. No, yeah, I don't put Fritz ahead of Sinner. I put Sinner ahead of Fritz. So you have Sinner in the top ten. Correct, correct. Sinner in the top ten. I'm I think even... I think Sinner's like he's like a ten. he's like a top yeah. he's a ten. He's like yeah, a 10. yeah, he's like a ten. Kasparud's like a thirteen, I think. Yeah, Kasparud is like a thirteen. Thirteen. Uh, he just lost his first round this week. Kasparud right. and Felix both lost first round. Kasparud, Felix. Who did, who did uh, Felix lose to again? Um, Kubler. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that was here in Newport. Yeah, nice. Yeah. They're getting, at least they're getting over to America. The, the American swing is starting up. That's always good to hear. Felix? I put Felix. I think Felix should, should be out. Rublev out. Casper out. I'm putting in Fritz, Kyrgios, and Berrettini. I would take out I would put in Berrettini, Kyrgios, I would take out I would take out Casper and um the other guy you see. Felix? Said. Yeah, Felix is not he's not a top ten player right now. Yeah. Uh, interesting debate. It's it's really interesting. Every time I'm saying something right now, <laughs> I, 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 I'm I'm saying something and right, in, my, right. in my head I'm like, that's not true, but I have yeah. to. I have to stick with it because I can't just. I can't just keep changing my mind. You can change, the... dude. One of the one of the highest signs of being an intelligent human being is actually being willing to change your mind. So, that's what they say. Well, uh, honestly, yeah, like that's uh, that's why I changed on Hubert. I mean, I said Hubert. I was like, that doesn't make sense. But if you go back and forth, back and forth, then it's like, okay, make your mind up. You know, I think you could change once though. Yeah, yeah, you know, I guess in my in my mind when we were having this discussion. I was like, Fritz, is good. he's a top 10 player. <laughs> yeah. That is so funny with these things. Like you, you take a stance and then you want to kind of hold that stance. Then you talk, well, maybe I'm wrong, you know? Um, yes, yes. It's just yeah. like life, right? But Exactly. But yeah, I, 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 I just didn't want to budge just for the sake of the podcast. If we were talking, if we were talking off, off the pod, I would have been like, okay, you know, honestly, fuck it. You're right. But, um, but yeah, I know it is interesting. But why don't we... Well, instead of us just going back and forth, my top 10, your top 10, why don't you give me your top 10 Okay, and we, we can discuss it. I'll okay. say what I, what I don't agree with. Okay, so I think a good way to do this is I'll give you my 10 through 6, and then you can let me know if you have any issues. And then I can give, your, give you the 5 through 1, same thing. We can okay. discuss if you have any problems, if you want to make any switches. So here we go. You ready for the yep. 10 through 6? Yeah, 10 through 6. Here we go. Fair. Number 10, Taylor Fritz, USA. Number nine, Yannick Sinner, Italy. Number eight, Matteo Berrettini, Italy. Number seven, Alexander Sasha Zverev, Germany. 
Number six, Stefanos Tsitsipas, Greece. Do you have any uh, issues with that 10 through six? You can obviously wait to hear the, the rest if you want to just talk about the whole thing. Uh, you want me to keep going? Or do you have any comments? Let me just make some comments. Okay. <laughs> you yeah. had... I agreed with your number 10. Who was it? Fritz. Fritz. I agree with 10. I agree with Sinner at nine. Yep. Uh, eight was... Berrettini. I think Berrettini should be much higher than eight. I think he should be in the top five. <laughs> okay. Well, that's something we're going to have to talk about. What, what has he done this year? I mean, I think, I think he proved a lot on the grass. And the, fact that, the, fact that he, the fact that he can come back off of a surgery and perform like that, win back-to-back tournaments on the grass, and then have, get out of Wimbledon because of COVID is quite impressive. And um, I, think, I also think, I think his serving, like he was serving so well, right? And hitting amazing serve plus ones. Like, yeah, it's going to be a little bit more effective on grass, but that is certainly going to translate to the hard courts, undoubtedly. I think this is back to like the consistency argument. Um, I kind of, a, I understand what, what you're saying. I, but me personally, like I would rather, I would, I think Zverev would, Zverev would be favored over Berrettini in a match. Zverev would be favored over Berrettini in a match. That's what I think. Yeah. Cause Zverev could attack his back. I, oh, wait, you had Zverev and you had Zverev down there. Seven. Yeah. I also think he should be in the top five. Why don't you just wait and I can give you the rest of the rankings and we can talk about everything. How about that? Okay, let's just, let, me, let me just write this down, right? So I, I think Berrettini, why don't, what, Berrettini you write, and Zverev. Should, I agree with your other ones, but I don't think Berrettini and Zverev, I think they should be higher. I'm going to see if I'm right based on what you say for the one through five, if I still agree with myself, you know? Okay, do you have, my, do you have my 10 through six down or no? Fritz is your 10. Yes. Nine is... Sinner, Berrettini, Zverev, Tsitsipas. Berrettini, Zverev, Tsitsipas. Yes. Okay, I'm going to go five through one now. Okay. Five, Alcaraz. Four, Kyrgios. Three, Medvedev. Two, Rafa. One, Novak. Um, okay. I, I think that Alcaraz should not be five. I think. You think Berrettini should be slotted ahead of Alcaraz? I think. Yes. I think Zverev should be ahead of Alcaraz. It's, I mean, here's the other thing. I mean, this is so hard, right? Zverev against Alcaraz. What what match is it? Is it a quarterfinal? I'm gonna take Zverev. Is it a semifinal of a major? Like I'm probably gonna take Alcaraz. You know, it's just so dependent. So I think I think if they're playing a match where I I'm gonna put I'm gonna put Zverev ahead of ahead of Alcaraz. That is crazy to me based on just Zverev's like nerves and how he can like clamp up and how his some of his shots just desert him. They okay. Look, to be fair to you, he did beat him head to head at Roland Garros. So. You know, if you want to give him that, then that's fine. But you think Alcaraz should be lower than Zverev. And you think Berrettini should also be ahead of Alcaraz. Because you said Berrettini, you think he's top five. So. I just, I hate to say this. I don't think Kyrio should be in the top five. Okay. I, I don't think so. His, he didn't win any tournaments leading up to Wimbledon. 
and his he Sissy Pass is someone who he's always had the number of, and then after that he didn't beat anyone. I mean, I understand Sissy Pass is the third seed and he beat him, but he beat him in the week previous, and I think I don't. Yeah, know he if, beat Sissy Pass twice in two weeks, which means I think that's enough to put him ahead of Sissy Well, he also I, he also did lose like Sinner this year, but he also destroyed. He's also destroyed some people, you know. Well, I think Sissipas should move down. I, I, I just think your your eight, sorry, your eight, seven, six, five, four, those are those are very in flux. I, I don't disagree. I think it's they're very close. You can make arguments. You know, I like this is a great top ten, by the way. How amazing it would be to have a top ten, just a ten person tournament, like something. These are the top 10 players in the world. Like, I mean, totally. This is, this is, these are, I agree with, because I'm, I'm switching around only in that eight through four range. So yeah. these, I agree that these are the top 10 players in the world. And it's, it's tough. I mean, you could even say Medvedev should be lower because he hasn't done much since this whole I, year, you know? You could even would, say that. Yes, certainly. But like, I put him there just because he did make the finals of Australian Open, was up two sets of love against Rafa, and he won the US Open last year. So that's why I put him high because that to me still, I still would, Overall, take him over Alcaraz and Zverev, or not Alcaraz, Zverev and Tsitsipas. I think Zverev, I mean, yeah, I think Zverev, Tsitsipas, and Medvedev, I grouped them together. And I, I put Medvedev at the top of that list. I always have. And mm-hmm. I think I always will until I see maybe them beat them him head to head. Or just Medvedev's slide continues. Because this whole Wimbledon thing messes his mind up too. Like, I don't consider any of those grass court events before Wimbledon, I throw them out for him. I think we'll see how he does in the U.S. Open swing in the U.S. Open. And he's going to be coming back to the U.S. Open with some serious points to exp- defend. Points to defend, expectations. Um, he'll definitely have a lot of mental stress on him. Definitely not as much as Emma Raducanu, I think. But, yeah, this is an interesting top 10. And we, we could really go on and talk about this for days, but I think, I think, I don't think we have something solidified, but I'll post... I'll post the current top 10 um, as it stands. And then I'll also post Drew's top 10 uh, yeah, as well. So. Just so you know what we're talking about, because um, I'm sure that got a little bit confusing, but I'll, I'll post both. So you can look at the current top 10 and the top 10 that we were just debating, which was Drew's top 10 um, while you listen to the Such pod. an interesting group of players. I wish they were just all healthy and all competing in the same tournament. You know? Yeah, it's really, but- really unfortunate. Probably will happen, uh, except US for Open. Zverev. Oh except my for Zverev, God. yeah. Novak. Well, we Novak. Gotta, oh. uh, yeah, okay. No, yeah. Novak can still has the potential to get into the U.S. into the U.S., um, but it'll have to be go through either the Secretary of Transportation or Secretary of State or the Secretary of State. If you're yes. not from America, that probably means nothing to you, unless you follow American politics which there's no reason to. Um, but yeah, but the, but the point is there's still a possibility he gets into the country. Yeah, it's all, it's all, it's all um, still possible. They're not going to, I don't think they're going to renounce the um, vaccine ban, but I want to give a shout out to Amy Lundy. She was the one who wrote this article about because the exceptions for Djokovic. And just to be clear for the listeners, if you're a Novak fan out there and you're wondering what exactly would he have to do to... Um, you know, qualify under uh, the exemption. 
is that it would the United States would basically have to determine that Novak visiting the country would be in the national interest of America. And that would be done through the either Secretary of State, the President could do it, or the um, Secretary's transportation. So in my opinion, like it, it is a net positive for this country to have someone like Novak come and play the US Open, but what the hell do I know? So yeah. <laughs> yeah, so shout out Nole fam. Yeah, so so Nole fam, that, that's who you have to direct your ire towards the Secretary of State, um, President Biden and Pete Buttigieg. Yeah, go to D- no life fam should go to DC. There's always a bunch of clowns in DC protesting God knows what. So, might as well go yeah. protest getting no back into the country. Might as well protest something that actually matters, which is the Grand Slam race and uh, Novak Djokovic playing the U.S. Open. I mean, yeah, exactly. So, so what do we, what we should we shift our our topic now? Yes, yeah, so let's move on to another topic, somber topic, and something that look I haven't heard it at all in the tennis like mainstream media. But unfortunately, when there's these, we talked about it last week with like some of the abuse allegations, when there's uncomfortable things uh, in tennis, we have to, you know, acknowledge those and report on those stories. We can't just give you all the, the best stories and that paint, um, you know, the best picture. So um, the first one is unfortunately Aslan Karatsev and Nikolos Balzilashvili are either under investigation or have already been found guilty uh, for fixing matches. Um, this is according to investigation by, uh, from Germany. Two of the top 50 uh, tennis stars have been uh, fixing matches and their coach is also involved, Yahor Yastik. According to the investigation, they got an offer to f- fix matches and there were a couple, there were a few doubles matches, one of them in fin- Finland, one of them in Kazakhstan, that there were unusual betting patterns. Basically, basically means these random double matches usually get, I don't know, a few thousand dollars, a few thousand pounds put on them, but there was like hundreds of thousands of dollars unusually, unusually put uh, on these players to lose. Now, I, this doesn't tell the full story, um, but the French police have also investigated them for charges during uh, the French Open. Uh, it doesn't tell the whole story. We haven't heard anything from the ATP. I haven't heard anything on Tennis Channel or any of the mainstream tennis outlets. Um, and again, we don't. We have no idea. To, we have no way to confirm this. And just for the podcast sake, for the record, we have reached out to the ATP for comment. Um, they haven't gotten back to us yet, but um, we will certainly report to what their official statement is because I think it's absurd. First of all, that they're not even acknowledging it. And both these guys are playing this week, so it's a sad story. And it's a Again, they're playing this week, so, yeah. Not two guys that I wouldn't expect this from. <laughs> no, I mean, I'll I agree. S- yeah. I'll start off with saying that. <laughs> There's always, like, with the, with the Russian guys, I'm, I'll just I'll, I'll put it out there. I'm a really big fan of, like, all the Russian tennis players. Uh, you know, Rublev, love Rublev, Medvedev, um, Kachanov as well. But there's always been, ever since... Aslan Karatsev has, has bust onto this scene in the 2020 Australian Open or whatever that was, 2021 Australian Open. I've always been a little suspect of that guy. Just, just, really? I, don't, I, don't, really? I just, this is total, like, you know, speculation on my part. No, nothing to back it up, but I'm always like, there's something up with that guy. I mean, who, <laughs> I mean, who has calves that big? Yeah, the, that's, that's the other thing is like, that's going to be another topic for another episode, but I do wonder how widespread 
the actual doping is in tennis and the, uh, the substances and stuff like that. But the one thing I will say about Oslan is he's been having a terrible season, basically losing the first round of every tournament. So if nothing else, this investigation lit a fire under his ass because he's won the first two rounds this week on clay court. The first time he's won consecutive matches, I think, in months. So clearly he was probably like, wait, I don't want them to think I'm match fixing, so I better fucking win these matches. <laughs> so he's beaten Sonego and Gaston this week. He plays Surandulo in the quarterfinals of the Swedish Open. Um, so I'll say that. If anything else, he's playing better tennis because he's like, shit, I better start winning now. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> so there's nothing else to investigate. Better win the tournament this week, Oslan. Yeah, well, that's Oslan for you. And then Bazilashvili. That guy, he was, I, we mentioned this on the, an earlier pod. I don't know if, you know, if you're listening now, I'm not sure if you were back then, but he is also a domestic abuser, was charged with domestic abuse in Georgia, and now these match-fixing scandals. And he also had a match-fixing scandal like a while ago as well. So he seems to be a bit of a dirtbag. Um, yeah, I would say the thing about Bazilash really is like, how would he match fix? His game is just hitting every single ball as hard as he can. So how can he make that look? I guess it would make him he'd be, make it easier for him, though, because then he'll just hit things out and you're like, oh, that's his game. Sometimes he misses a lot, right? Because you, you would be expected sometimes for him to miss. I don't know. Maybe. Like, or maybe these guys are so good that they can actually miss by just a little bit. And it just, you, have, you cannot tell by watching the match. Like, the only way you can tell is by the betting patterns. I think that's, is, that, is that how good they are at tennis? Probably, right? I, I think so. Yeah. That's actually probably a skill. I, I don't think I don't think it's yeah. hard. I don't think it's hard to go out there and make it look like a real match but lose <laughs> but you could just play i mean we know tennis matches are decided by such few points right 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 so they can go out there and i mean don't double fault on a big point but i don't know yeah do something okay else. the one thing i will say regarding i don't know if this is technically match fixing but um when i was younger and i was playing some itfs in in asia 18 and under itfs there's Basically, a lot of, there's a lot, there's, I'll just butt in real quick. There's a lot of dirt bags playing ITFs in Asia as well. A lot, a lot of dirt bags, a lot of cheating. Lines are out in Asia. <laughs> Inside the line is out in Asia. <laughs> um, but what happens basically is a lot of these players who are just trying to get their first points or get points, I would say it's almost much like an F1 team. If someone who's ranked really high is playing a tournament and they're playing someone from their country or from their team training block, training group that like needs a win or needs like itf points they'll just straight up lose to them like just straight up lose to them so they can get points which is i guess somewhat good because you're helping someone else there's no monetary incentive but a little dirt bag kind of behavior and i think maybe when the people who do it in the juniors they, it kind of just bleeds over and let's be honest like tennis players aren't making that much money if someone's coming to you with an offer of I don't even know how much these betters are offering those guys or these who, who is it it's not the betters who'd be running it would be has to be some sort of cartel or yeah i don't know organization that would have to have some sophisticated way of doing it but if, if someone comes with you and be like hey like a hundred thousand if you just lose this the random doubles match for me it'd be easy to say no but I, you don't know some of these guys just like i'll take the money and no one will find out you know they don't think second third hand about it it's the Oslan Karasa is not thinking about someone investigating betting patterns <laughs> Yeah, well, and also, let's just say, like, this is happening at the top 50 level. Just think about how much this is happening at the futures level. Exactly, because the futures guys will win, will win, like, I don't know, a few thousand bucks for winning an entire tournament. If they could win 10 grand for losing first round, and they get, you know, 
why but, but i think that the, the the argument against it is that if you get caught then you're banned for you're going to be banned for like a long well here, time. here's what i do towards the end of my let's say i'm a, a futures guy right <laughs> yeah 400 300 yeah. in the world right yeah and I'm someone who's coming to the end of my career. Start fixing matches. Totally, yeah. Why if wouldn't get, you do that? If I get caught, kick me out. I'll, I'll, I'll get a bag. And if not, then I'll just keep going. To be honest, you, don't, you wouldn't even, at that level, you wouldn't even necessarily need someone else to be doing it. You could just not bet on your own, but tell your friend, like, hey, like, put $2,000 on me to lose. And you lose. And you get, like, every week. Every week, you're getting thousands of dollars. Or something like that. Yeah, but then the odds for you to win would be <laughs> like so. Like the odds for you to lose would be just ridiculous, right? Also, if you're that bad, if you're 400, you're never going to be a huge favorite. So it's it would be hard to, you know, it's best when you're a huge favorite, right? So the underdog wins, and then you get a ton of money. So I guess if you're like 300 or something, 200, like play like a lot of futures. So you're the number one seed is like eight to one to lose first round. Then it's like, oh, I lost. I'm injured. Not feeling great. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing, okay, the other thing I'll say about Aslan is potentially something, someone who was like his career was almost over. You know, he multiple times in Challenger circuit. If you're on the Challenger tour or the Futures tour, you're running out of money. I mean, Jason Kobler just said that he had literally zero dollars. He was teaching tennis early this year, and he was a, obviously on the Challenger tour. So if you're choosing between like ending your career, you have no money, or you fix a few matches and you have like a few months money left i think that's the only possible way you could say it's justified or you don't you still don't think it's justified i mean i don't know i'm not in those circumstances i can't comment i'd like to think i wouldn't do it but who knows yeah so i don't know but yeah honestly honestly yeah this yeah yeah these guys are probably dirt bags maybe dirt bags but also shame on the atp for just like not even acknowledging this not acknowledging anything the players do wrong well, they could at least they could at least say there's an ongoing investigation. Nothing's been proven. Or you don't even like have that. to mention. You don't even have to mention the names. Do they? Yeah. You just say there's an ongoing investigation about a l- potential match fixing in the ATP. Or so, yeah, you don't want. It's yeah. bad. It's bad for the ATP. Yeah. To have this kind of news, we can't even confirm it. News, rumors, whatever it would be, floating around on Twitter. You know what I mean? It's bad for them. Well, okay. My only thing that I, I thought about just now actually was that what if this is actually a way more widespread problem that we think? And then it's like, not that the ATP is necessarily covering up, but they have to, yeah, like, like it's like cycling with doping. Everyone knew everyone was doing it, but cycling had to cover it up for so long. So you think this is a more widespread problem? I would say it's not a widespread problem. I don't see a lot of, I don't see a lot of, no, in terms of yeah, match fixing, I don't think on the top level, it's that widespread. I don't think I don't see the top. No, I don't think the top. I don't think the top but, guys are going to be match fixing. I do think challenger um, futures. Ch- a challenger future in terms of match fixing certainly. In terms of illegal substances, <laughs> I think there's. I think there's something going on. Yeah, definitely. Which, um, yeah. Which like maybe I, I. You know, I don't know. I don't know how they test for that. I have a hard time believing that the ATP is doing a rigorous testing of players and then maybe on occasion they'll screw someone over like a Maria Sharapova. Um, but I think that, no, I think they do actually do rigorous testing. Cause I, I remember, I think it was Coco Goff or one of the female players was talking about, they can just show up at your house at any time and they can show up to your house at any time and uh, basically request a, basically request a, 
basically request a test. So I do think it's, it's, it's rigorous. I just think some of the banned substances may be getting through the test. We, that we, uh, frankly, I can't comment on that because I don't know enough about that. But. Yeah, I, I, yeah, we don't know. But we, we've talked to people who said that there's you know, stuff going on. Yeah, right? let's just be honest. If you read the tea leaves, if you hear what people, what people are talking about in the tennis world, if you know some coaches who, who people play, played like high level pro, you know, yes, yes. You talk to them, they'll probably they'll give you the real story of what's yes. going on. So I think the ATP is probably just in a dilemma of like how to figure this out. And then if it is widespread, then the punishment will have to be less because you can't just ban like whatever ton, it is, 10, the, like a ton of players, ten percent yeah. of the challenger tour, twenty percent of the challenger tour, and that would just wouldn't that would not make sense. So yeah. Oh, you know the, the you fix the at least the betting problem. You fix that by increasing prize money so they don't have to do this shit. And if I if I ever become a billionaire, I will I will fund fund the atp and help them out yeah but this isn't a charity this isn't a charity organization this is like professional tennis so i don't even i don't even understand how the we should look into this in terms of how it actually yeah. works yeah okay so should we just move on then that's that you know tough story but Basilashvili one domestic assault claim a couple uh game you know match fixing and then five atp titles so i yeah, that's his, that's his rap sheet. Shout out Bozzy. And Bozzy, if you're listening, you're not a dirtbag. You're not. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to mess with people from Georgia, the country. I, yeah. It, yeah. Oh, I, I guess I just can't go to Georgia. I might, I might be dead after this. Shout out to Taylor Fritz's son, by the way. He was able to name the capital of Georgia, uh, the, the country. He also knows apparently like all the capitals. and He's like five years old. So that guy's going places. The capitals of like, American states? No, of countries. Of, like, countries? Yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. good. Yeah. That's good stuff. Shout out to Taylor's ex-wife. Yeah, shout out, shout out. Um, okay, <laughs> so let's go to the quotes and trivia. Uh, Vid, do you have any quotes trivia that you would want to do? Oh, I have some quotes and trivia. Let's start off with a quote. Do you want to do a quote? Yeah, sure. Wait, we have to introduce the segment. We didn't introduce the introduce the segment. Quote game. If you haven't heard it. We're going to read a quote. Trivia and, and games. This, this, let, me, let me do it. This is the trivia and game segment. If you're not familiar with the, the podcast where we do some trivia with each other and we also do some games. And the games that we do right now are what we call quotables. So we'll read a quote to the other person. I'll read one to Drew. Drew will read one to me. We'll give some multiple choice selections and then the other person will try and guess who said that quote. So that's what it is if you haven't listened to the pod before. But I will start off with a quote. Here's a quote on about Nick Kyrgios. Okay. Okay. About Nick Kyrgios. The quote is, he said he's the best player on grass in the world. So the best outcome would be for him to win. Yeah, just quoting him. And I'll give you some options for this. Was it A, Jason Kobler, B, Johnny Millman, C, Bernard Tomic, or D, Rod Laver? Oh, I, I think I may have seen this, but I, I think I saw Rod Laver said that, right? Is that correct? Is that, is that your final answer? Yeah, final answer. I also think it's correct. Like, even if I didn't hear, I think I could be wrong. Could have misheard. So, so final, so final answer. 
Rod Laver. He's locking in Ron. He's locking in Rod Laver, and that is incorrect. Who the hell said that? Jason Kubler? It was Johnny Run of the Millman. Johnny Run of the Millman with a quotable. Gotta love that. Johnny Millman supporting his fellow Australian. I hope he's in DC because he was in DC last year. It was great to see him play. But uh, <laughs> shout out Johnny Millman. Talk shout about, out. I love that guy. Of, he's also the opposite of King, someone who's like not super talented, but is just an absolute dog, hard worker. And not volatile at all in terms of his personality. He's, no, I think he's a little volatile, actually. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> have you seen him on the court? He gets so mad at his box. He yells. He freaks out. I don't think you watched the Johnny Millman matches close enough. Okay, I have a, <laughs> I have a great one. You're going to love this. This is a trivia. All right, let's do this it. This is not a quote game, but it's a trivia. Yeah. Okay. You, 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 I, think, I think me and you actually both love this, and if the listeners are of the same mindset as, uh, of us, they will also love it. So are you ready? Yeah, go for it. I'm listening. What top WTA player read Novak Djokovic's book, Serve to Win, and through reading of the book was inspired to move to a gluten-free diet? A WTA, was, WTA yes. player? Yes. Was it? That's awesome. Jessica Pagula, was it Coco Goff, was it Bianca Andrescu, or was it Annette Contevite? Okay, definitely not Annette Contevite because I saw her post on Instagram eating some ice cream. So unless that was gluten-free ice cream, I just don't think it's her. Um, or not gluten free, sorry, dairy free. Um, and then the other one was Bianca Andrescu. It was either Bianca Andrescu, yeah, I yeah, know, Coco Goff or Jessica Pagula. Yeah. I, 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 right off the bat, I think it's Jessica, Jessica Pagula just because I don't know much about Jessica Pagula. I'm gonna just take out Bianca, Bianca Andrescu, okay, uh, Coco Goff or. Uh, are you allowed to tell me when they said this quote? I don't even know when they said it, but it was recently. Like within the okay, past I'm, I'm going to say uh, Jessica Pagula. You are incorrect. It was the Canadian U.S. Open champion, Bianca Andrescu. Oh, wow. Yeah, and she actually looks like she's like lost a little weight. She looks like a little thinner. A little bit leaner. Um, a little bit leaner, so maybe it's actually helping her. So it's, it's pretty cool, though, that these players – I actually love when players from both tours can appreciate, you know, the other the other two are dude i mean if you want to be good I, okay by the way everyone should read that book i haven't even read it but if it's talking about a gluten-free diet like yeah you you need to fucking be thinking about what you're putting in your body hey, just all these players eating cakes and ice cream and and sugar and carbs and I, I just don't understand it it just doesn't make sense to me i don't care how much cardio you're doing you need to put the correct fuel in your body like i'm sorry <laughs> we, we can't put these professional athletes are like ferraris and Lamborghinis, and they're putting vegetable oil in them. Yeah, they're, they're like, put, for, yeah. They're putting vegetable oil. It's like putting vegetable oil in a, in a fighter jet. Just, just not going to work. Just not going to work. Just doesn't make sense. We'll go nowhere. You'll look great from the outside, but you're not going to actually go anywhere. Yeah, uh-huh. Okay, do we have anything else? Um, another quote? I, I can do a quote game if you want. Yeah, sure. You go for okay. it. Go for another quote. This is someone who's talking about he's playing the Swedish Open, and he's talking about why he loves Bastad. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> this is the quote. One of my favorite artists, Avicii, is from Bastad. 
almost every changeover they play, they play his songs. That's something special, and I love it. Was it Dominic Thiem, Andre Rublev, Emil Rusevori, or Davidovich Fakina? Okay, I'm just trying. Okay, Davidovich Fakina. I don't think so. Just I'm trying to think of someone who likes music. I feel like Andre Rublev is that kind of guy when it comes in terms of music. So it was Andre Rublev, Davidovich Fakina, and who theme or Rusevori. Okay, definitely not Rusevori because he's like. I don't think so because he's from like I feel like it's someone not from that Nordic area. Uh, Dominic team, I don't think listen. I, I just I'm gonna have to go Andre Rublev. Correct. Great guess. Yes. Great. And Let's way to go. reason it out. Really Let's good job. Go. It was Andre Rublev. Yeah. Yeah. I th- and I, I think I want to say shout out to Andre. I'm sorry for taking out of my top 10. And prove me wrong. Prove me wrong, baby. Win the US Open. Defend your Cincy title. Like, do something out here, baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. No, I know he's into that shit. Like, the music, like uh, that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I'll go one more quote game. Okay. And then. I guess we could wrap it up. I mean, quote game, honorable mentions. Then yeah, exactly. Done. Um, so I, I got another quote for you. And this, here's the quote. I played Warinka in Rotterdam in 2018. It was sold out with 15,000 people. Mm-hmm. The energy of the crowd was amazing. This is why I play tennis, to play these big guys. I live for these moments. What are the options? Just a very strong quote. Yeah, all, someone lives for these moments. Better be someone who's actually good. Let me say that. I'll say, was it Cam Nori? Okay. Talon Greekspor. Okay. Ryan Harrison. Okay. Or Christian Harrison. I'm eliminating the Harrisons, but it makes me think that it's one of it. It's one of them because you. Why would you put those answers in? I mean, that is like a great like. What did you just study for the SAT? It's exactly how you're supposed to think about it. <laughs> So I'm going to say it's one of the Harrisons, and Christian Harrison's oh. like never played. In- oh no! Don't let me that. Don't let don't, don't let what I just said influence you. Well, who were the first two people you said? Uh, I'll, I'll just I'll just read them off. Again. Cam Norian, just quickly. Cam Norian, Talon Greekspor. Greekspor was never at that level at that point. Cam Nori. I'll say Ryan Harrison. Okay. Okay. You're you want to? Okay. You're wrong. Okay. You're wrong. You're wrong. And you could have been really smart because I just realized this. In the in the quote, he said Rotterdam in 2018. Yeah. So what? So Rotter, ro, am I am I wrong? So it's Greek ro- Greek spore. It's Greek spore. I didn't think that Greek spore was even like. I guess he got wild card, but okay. He's, never, old, he's an older guy, right? Twenty. Yeah, but he never plays like. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. But it's, Rotterdam's into the Netherlands, so he probably I, got a wild card. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever, dude. Okay. Great. I should have got that. <laughs> Whatever. Okay. All right. Drew's pissed. Let's go to honorable. <laughs> Can no, we go to honorable mentions? Uh, you you want to go? You can go first. Or yeah. So all we got left to do is honorable mentions. Um, one of our favorite segments of the pod where we highlight people in the tennis world that maybe you haven't heard about, maybe you have, but maybe some less known people in the tennis world. So I'll I'll go first and. My honorable mention is Shingo Kunieda. Do you know who that is? Have not heard of Shingo. 
Sounds sure. like he would be a shorter player that has a lot of flair to his game, kind of like a Hugo Gaston. Is that accurate? Or you... uh, he is a shorter player because he is a wheelchair player. <laughs> Great. <laughs> That's awesome. So you were, I guess, correct when he sits in his wheelchair. Yeah, he is lower than the average person. Um, but Shingo completed his career golden slam to win all four Grand Slams and the Paralympic gold medal by winning the 2022 Wimbledon Championships. This was his 28th Grand Slam singles title, most of all time, and his 50th overall, singles and doubles. That's incredible. That's actually That's, so cool. I did not know that. I, shame on me for not knowing that guy. 28-time Grand Slam champion? Yeah, I, I don't... Yeah, But how I, do we know... Like, I know Dylan Alcott. I, honestly, I know Dylan Alcott, too. He's the only... I think it's because he's such a big personality. Right, right. And that's why people know him. And ob- obviously, he was insanely successful on the... How, how, many, how many majors does Dylan Alcott have? Uh, I don't think that many, but I think he like won all of them like in a row. Let me just check. Dylan. He lost the Australian Open this year. I remember it was his farewell, and he was... I guess he was nervous or something, but the, whoever his opponent was played amazing. I watched that match, the Dylan Alcott Australian Open. Um, okay, another thing I want to point out that's just kind of... I mean, I Googled Dylan Alcott Grand Slams. Let's see, wheelchair Grand Slams? Oh, wait, Dylan Alcott won because he won the Calendar Slam last year. That's why we know him. Yeah, he won the Calendar Slam. Alcott departs the wheelchair tennis scene with a trophy. 23 Grand Slam titles. So, Novak, you're, you, think you're chasing, you think you're chasing Rafa? You got some work to do, boy. You got some work to do to catch up to these wheelchair guys. So... I mean, Shingo has you beat, Novak. Shingo has you beat 28 Wait, actually, Grand Slams. Uh, I was listening to the French Open uh, a couple months ago, radio, and they had an interview with one of the wheelchair players. And they said the goal for wheelchair tennis right now, what their goal is for the future, is for it to just become its own sport. So anyone can play. You don't have to be disabled. So their so, goal that's, is... That's what I was saying. I, I, yeah, yeah. I think that should be a thing because I, I, I asked exactly. the question... I asked the question to yeah. someone. I can't remember who I was talking. I was like, "Can you play wheelchair tennis if you're not disabled?" And the per- who I can't remember who I was talking about. The person goes, "Oh, that's a fuck. That's the dumbest question I've ever heard." Yeah, well, that person obviously has no idea what they're talking about because they haven't never talked to a wheelchair tennis player in their life or heard the radio interview like I did. So, yeah, but no, in- interesting. Uh, yeah, these wheelchair guys don't get enough love. So that's something I, that we should explore if we're gonna, because we did say last on the last episode that we wanted to win a Grand Slam title. Maybe that's not. Maybe that's an option. Dude, you know how hard that is. It's impossible. You're gonna have to start. You know, you know, you don't like lifting weights. You're gonna have to start fucking pumping some iron in your upper body to, to play that sport. Sure. Uh, yeah, they're probably jacked. Those guys. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, that's so athletic. You have to be so athletic for that. It's crazy. Uh, yeah, just thinking about it seems harder than tennis, regular regular <laughs> tennis. It's not probably not harder than regular tennis, but actually only because the competition would be easier because not, not that many people play it. If everyone, all things being equal, it's probably harder. It's like, it's like squash in America. Like, like no one plays, so it's easy to be good. Exactly. exactly. Uh, you know, it's like, it's like these, you know, you just ha- have your kid play squash. He's going to go, as long as he's remotely athletic, he's going to go to a good college. But yeah. So who's your honorable mention, and then we'll, we'll wrap it up. Okay, so I have a couple honorable mentions. I think I should mention both because they're both great. Okay. Uh, the first one is Alex Lawson. So 
I was initially, he was going to be my honorable mention, not just because of how, that him, not even at all, had nothing to do with his tennis, actually. It was before the Newport tournament. Um, he did, like, in his player bio. So he had a player bio that kind of, like, went viral a little bit because he said that his favorite shot, his favorite shot listed in his bio was tequila. So, like, what's your favorite shot for tennis? And his, <laughs> it was listed as tequila. <laughs> so, shout out to Alex Lawson. Uh, That's so funny. He's a doubles player. He's ranked 100 in the world. And, again, this was, I saw this, like, before the tournament. But he's actually made the semifinals of the Newport Open. So, he's in the semis. So, I guess it's also a tennis shout out for him. Congrats, bro. Um, and then I think we can't leave the pod without mentioning the honorable mention for the pod is we've been, look, we've been getting some social media engagement. We got followed on Twitter by, you know, Mark Petchy, who's one of the best commentators in the game. Did we? Yeah, we've, got, we've gotten some follows on Twitter. We've gotten some interactions on Instagram. But I'm going to give a shout-out to Simona Waltert of Switzerland. We posted about her win, first-round win. We posted about her second win on our Instagram story. She liked our story. So, honestly, congrats on the win, Simona, and really appreciate the like. We're going to keep supporting you. I know you're in the quarters tomorrow. And then, I mean, I don't know if you're going to be in America at all, but if you, if you are in America at all, we will – definitely be your match so uh, she's she's like she's like a, uh, a teenager 21 no, i think she's 20 but she's around 100 in the world so she's like she could get into some tournaments yeah it, with this performance she should be getting into qualifying that's awesome yeah i'll support her sure honestly i mean you know we started this podcast a little too late so after the emma Raducanu wimbledon uh fourth round last year i said to drew i was like this girl is so good, and she will win a major within the next two years, I said, after that, which is a, an aggressive timeline, you know, for an 18-year-old. And Drew's like, oh, no way. She'll win one, but who knows when it's going to be. Uh, she won one that year. And then with Simona Waltert. Let me, let me get there, man. Just let me get there, okay? So that happened with Emma. Elena uh, Rabakina, we've been talking about her for a long time and just kind of the talent that she is, and she won a slam. So hopefully, if we talk about Simona Waltert a lot, then who knows, maybe a slam is in her near future. I we don't know. Do have, honestly, that's so true, because Emma's at qualifying last year. We were, like, every single match, we're like, if she gets in the main draw, she could do something at the U.S. Open. We ne- I don't think we thought we, she was going to win it. No, but I mean, I didn't think she was going to win it, but I agreed. I thought she would win a slam the next two years just because she's so good. But yeah. with Lena Rubaki, now, every time we watch her play, it's like she should be a Grand Slam champion than she is. It, it's, it's, it, we feel vindicated at the same time. Now it's like everyone knows that how good they are. We felt like the only people. Yeah, um, we, yeah we felt like we had, such, we had such an IQ because we're like, oh, you know. But the one thing I'll say about Simona uh, is I don't think I've seen enough of her tennis to predict anything I, about. No, I haven't. But her speed is ridiculous. I mean, her, her speed against Daniel Collins – Collins was hitting back and forth, drop shotting, everything. And I think if you have that speed, I mean, the sky's the limit for you, especially in women's tennis where generally that's a question mark for a lot of players. You know? 100%. How's her, I haven't watched it too much. How's her movement um, forward and back? It's good. It's good. Side to side's way better. Um, uh, oh, better yeah. Good. Um, yeah. And her, her strokes are obviously going to – I think they're going to – if they mature a little bit with, her, with age, she could be for sure a top – 20 top yeah 15. yeah she's still young for sure yeah her and stricker the two swiss guys coming up yeah maybe we'll see that mixed doubles at the uh, australia or the u.s open should we start clamoring for that 
Yeah, yeah. Let's let's start a campaign. Yeah, start a campaign. Yeah, that'd be, I'd be, I'd watch that. Get my Swiss flag on. But yeah, I think that's it. I got no more honorable mentions. How about you? Is that it? I did have one more. Should we do it? Or it's a really it is an, it's a cool one. Um, sure. Really quick. Really quick. I really want to mention this guy. Okay, so there's a guy named Zach Svajda. He's been having a horrific season this whole season. He he was kind of a rising star last year. He won a couple matches in the U.S. Open swing. He even took a he won a match at the U.S. Open. He took a set off center. He's been having a devastating season, losing in challenger first rounds, losing in ITFs. He's just won two ITF 25Ks in a row. Wait, so, did he really? I did not know that. Yeah, it's amazing. He, he, the first one he won, didn't lose that. He beat Brandon Holt in the finals. And then the second one, he beat a guy in the second round, 6-0-6-0, and he won the finals, 6-3-6-1. So he was a superstar. He had a steep decline this season. Um, and he's just won. I mean, look, you may, you may laugh at these 25K events are also not easy to win. He's won back-to-back events. So. Uh, Zach uh, Spada. Shout out Zach yeah. uh, for that. That's really good. And you know, another thing that is never to be underestimated is the amount of confidence you get from winning that. So that's hopefully totally. that, hopefully that's, that, hopefully, yeah, yeah, hopefully it snowballs for him. Yep. And maybe, maybe this will, those results will help him with some wild cards this summer. Who knows? Maybe. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see who gets these U.S. Open wild cards. He'll get into qualities at the U.S. Open. Hey, maybe hope it'll come through. We'll see. But that, I think that wraps it up for today. Uh, a little different segment. Not too much about the matches, but uh, U.S. Open swing is here, and we're ready to go. Yeah, once we once we're gonna be on the ground uh, for a lot of these tournaments. So once it gets closer, we'll kind of let the podcast know, uh, and we'll get some content with the players, interviews, stuff like that. Up. Yeah, we'll try and try and get some interviews with the players. I mean, I, God knows if this is actually gonna happen, but try and do that. Try and write some articles. We'll let you guys know what's up. And hopefully we can, you know, get some good content out to you throughout the swing. And, All right. Good and luck, if you, luck, team. Let's go. Yep. Team of the week, baby. Team of the week. Dominic, team. Put the tiles. Put the tiles. <laughs>